Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause that causes the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS with the Z1. That's 855-STRIPS1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited, A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast exclusively on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. My name is Mike Heck. I'm your host broadcasting for our studios here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you to all of you who have subscribed to the show. And if you haven't done that, head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hit the old subscribe button. Drop the old Superman punch on top of it. Leave a five-star rating. Leave some kind words. That'd be much appreciated. And if you do all three of those things, it'll take you what? Three minutes? The subscribe button literally takes you one second. You just push the button. And then you get shows immediately upon release because for those of you who are familiar with my work and how I run shows, things could happen at any time. Pop-up interviews, pop-up shows could happen at any point. And if you subscribe to the show, you will know about it before anybody else does. Also, while you're at it, head to YouTube and type in Fansided MMA in the search bar and then subscribe to that channel as well. That page is rising daily, and you can be a part of it. Exclusive content on-site at big events, including Nurmagomedov versus McGregor. We will be there with exclusive content. Everything you need to know heading in to the biggest fight of all time. All the James Lynch interviews. Everything is there. So make sure you subscribe to that page as well. 
There is a lot going on. UFC, the organization, the world's most premier organization, is back in Lincoln, Nebraska. They're heading to college football country for UFC Fight Night on FS1. Of course, it'll kick off at the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Then they're going to head to FS2 for that prelims. And then they're going to change on over to FS1 for the main card. We had you covered last week. Tons of interviews as far as UFC Lincoln on this show. We've had James Vick. We've had Justin Gaethje, both halves of the main event. We've had Mickey Gall. We've had both halves of the co-main event, Andre Feely and Michael Johnson. So for those of you who have subscribed to the show already, you can go back and listen to those. And we had five interviews last week, and we got it done in a little over an hour, the entire show. That's what we try to do here. So we don't have any more you know, fighters from UFC Lincoln, but we are going to talk about it coming up in just a couple of minutes. Let's run down the lineup real quick. I'm very excited to be welcoming Jack Swagger. Jake Hager is the real name. Jack Swagger, former WWE superstar, independent wrestler. He's actually going to be in Pittsfield, in the Berkshires, this Friday night for Wrestling Under the Stars. So we're going to talk to Jack Swagger about that. And he's going to be making his debut for Bellator very, very soon. He announced earlier this year. Maybe it was late last year. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. But he had signed with Bellator. So he's going to be making the transition to mixed martial arts. And I'm very fascinated to see when it's going to happen. So we're going to talk about when that's going to happen. Who it's going to happen with, if we know that. Is it going to happen this year? Is it going to happen next year? We will find out when we talk to Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, coming up later in the show. And as promised, I know it's been a few weeks since we've done this, but we got to go the full five because the UFC is back in action this weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska. Let us go the full five with the very busy, and the man is everywhere, James Lynch. Five, four, three. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know about this gentleman by now, then you must be hiding under a rock somewhere. James Lynch from Fansided, Sports Illustrated MMA, Flow Combat, and 500 other outlets. The man just never stops. How are you, my man? I'm doing great, Mike. It's uh, good to talk to you again and happy to be on here uh, talking some fights. There is quite the card coming up. And, you know, if you're on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, there's really two trains of thought here. One is that this card is is not stacked. It just is what it is. It's main event heavy, and then everything else is terrible. And then other people are saying that this card is just one of those ones that fly under the radar and could be a really pleasant surprise. Which which side of the fence are you on here? I'm a glass half full type uh, person here, Mike. You know, I do happen to think <laughs> this is an underrated card. Uh, you've got some really interesting matchups, and I know we're going to get into some of the fights here. But uh, just to me, th- there's a lot of upset potential on this card and some interesting lines that have come out from the betting perspectives and everything like that but uh, I mean main event how can you not like that uh, you know Vic versus Gaethje and then you just go all the way down there's some sneaky good matchups on this card in my opinion I mean a lot of people are very excited about the Gaethje versus Iaquinta matchup people went crazy and then Iaquinta was out and it's not really surprising to a lot of fans in the sport but James Vic gets inserted and I really feel like this is a much better fight at least in my opinion one because James Vic finally gets that name gets that step up in competition and Justin Gaethje purely just does doesn't like James Vick and he needs to win very badly and he's got a lot of motivation towards it. So, you know, do, do you prefer this new main event? As yeah, I do. I, I, oh, sorry. As I interrupted you there, uh, okay. I should probably uh, get my cues there. But uh, no, I, I agree with you. I really like this fight a lot more because, you know, Vick is a guy who's been wanting an opportunity like this, like you said, against the main event against Justin Gaethje. Talked a bunch of smack about Justin Gaethje even before this fight was booked. So there's a lot of intrigue uh, from this matchup. And, you know, Vick, you know, putting a lot of pressure on himself in, in the in the amount of, uh, you know, stuff he's been talking. And then speaking of pressure, 
pressure. Justin Gaethje needs a win here. You know, he hasn't looked good in his last couple fights, you know, getting knocked out. So he's got to uh, get a win here as well. So, I mean, this is a perfect main event, especially for a fight night card uh, that fans are really going to be excited to watch. You're talking about some of the lines that have come out. And the last I saw, Vic was a, was a minus 165 favorite in this fight. Are you surprised by that? No, not at all. I think you have to look at the momentum here. You know, Vic is on a winning streak here. Gaethje coming in on two losses. I think that does play a factor in this, regardless of where, you know, who they had beaten in the past. I think the knock on Vic has been he hasn't fought, you know, high-level competition. And the knock on Gaethje has been that he hasn't been able to beat high-level competition. So they're kind of in the same spot at this point. And that's what makes this fight so intriguing because obviously Gaethje really needs the win here. Vic, if he loses, I mean, it just shows that he's not ready for that top-tier competition. But uh, I, I think the line is right where it needs to be just with Vic having more momentum heading into this fight. I'm a glass-half-full guy myself, and I, I think this is a sneaky good card from top to bottom. But... You know, let's talk about this. I mean, obviously the main event is what it is. It's a fantastic main event. And there's a lot of other kind of under the radar storylines that are going on here. So outside of the main event itself, what do you think is one of the major stories that people are just overlooking right now when it comes to this card? There's a couple things, but let's start first with the co-main event. I think Andre Feely and Michael Johnson's a very intriguing matchup. Johnson, of course, on a, on a huge losing streak heading into this one. You know, I think he's lost, uh, what is it, four of his last five or something along those lines. But basically, he has that win over Dustin Poirier, which is sort of his saving grace here, right? Like, if that was a win over someone else that wasn't as highly ranked, he probably would have been cut at this point. But he's trying to find new blood at 45. He had some tough, uh, a tough go in his last fight against Darren Elkins. Now he's fighting Elkins' teammate and Andre Feely. And Feely's been sort of, uh, you know, he's, he's coming in on on a winning streak, but the, the thing with Feely throughout his career, it's just been inconsistency. You know, he'll have a couple wins and then he'll lose one and he'll, you know, it's sort of, so for, for, for Feely, it's a big opportunity. And for Johnson, he just needs to save his job at this point because another loss here, I, I would undoubtedly would imagine is going to be his release from the UFC. And if you think about how long he's been in the organization, it would be kind of a, kind of a pretty a big, uh, big release there if he does end up losing this fight. And as far as kind of like the undercard and things like that fights outside of the, the main and co-main event, like what, what, what else is a story here? I mean, there's, there's, there's some good matchups. Like I like the fact that Eric Anders is coming back on this card. And in my opinion, he's got a kind of a tailor-made matchup for him to really shine here. And I think that's what the UFC is trying to do with, with him in the middleweight division. But what other storylines are you seeing here that people just aren't talking about? Well, I think the return of Mickey Gall is one. I know you've done some uh, great interviews with Mickey leading up to this fight. And just, you know, where is this guy at? We don't really know. I think there's a big question mark on Mickey Gall. You know, uh, he gets that win over Sage Northcutt. He's got a lot of hype going behind him. And then he loses that fight to Randy Brown. And now he's fighting, you know, you talked about tailor-made matchups. I think this is one of those fights and the odds makers agree you know I'm seeing Gall right now minus 335 against George Sullivan I mean this is a fight where Gall needs to bounce back and, and also you know Gall switched things up he's training in California now so to me that's you know very intriguing how is he going to adjust you know uh, with the new camp and everything so that's interesting how about Joanne Calderwood returning you know she's sort of been the forgotten fighter in the flyweight division she looked really good when she last fought at flyweight against uh, Valerie Letourneau so how is she going to do facing uh, you know a really a tough opponent here um, and then you know you just have uh, the flyweight fight which is uh, a great matchup and glad to see this on the main card uh, Figueroa against Moraga. Moraga you know he's surprised a lot of people uh, a lot of people felt like he was done after fighting for the title and now here he is uh, you know coming off that win over uh, a few fights ago over uh, Biblatov and now he's facing Figueroa who uh, you know many felt did not beat Jared Brooks in his last fight. Is he as good as his record states? We're going to find out. So that's what I mean there's a lot of really sneaky matchups on this card that uh, you know some good storylines heading into this card. One thing we've said about Mickey Gall over the last you know s since he's been in the UFC is the guy just gets it and he I think we're seeing that he gets it beyond just 
getting on the microphone and saying what he needs to say to get put on the radars. Like the fact that he moved things out to California, and I asked him about that when I talked to him last week. He said that you know he's at he's at a team. It's with David uh, Adiv and and all those guys at, at Gracie, New Jersey. Like that is his home. That will always be his home. But the fact of the matter is, he trains at a very young gym, and he's kind of in that position where like Glover Teixeira is right now. He is you know the big fish in the small pond. So for him, it was it, it was very beneficial for, for him to go out to California. He's rooming with Eve Edwards. He's working with guys like Joe Schilling, and I think this is a really good step for him. You know, you don't see that with guys like this young, this early in their career, just kind of understanding that and and really taking that step and, and really kind of just uprooting and changing things around. Are you surprised that he's figured this out so quickly? No, and I think the first time I interviewed him, uh, you know, I understood that he's a guy that gets sort of the, you know, not only the personality side of things, but he understands his career here. You know, he's 4-1. Uh, you go to 4-2, and two, that's not going to look so good as, a, as an up-and-coming prospect. So I think you, you need to make those changes. And it's a game of inches, Mike, as we know. You know, you need every edge, every advantage you can have heading into a fight. And, you know, we, we're seeing this more often. Uh, you know, another example that comes to mind, Michael Chiesa. You know, here's a guy who trains back in Washington. But, you know, when he does his camps now, he splits time at Syndicate in Vegas. So we're seeing fighters, you know, take that step, really have, you know, the, understand the importance of training partners and, and you know, switching things up and getting different looks. I think this is uh, just something we're seeing more of now. A lot of guys, you know, going to the PI and everything. So I think we're seeing guys really recognize that uh, you need every advantage you can get. And I think for Gall, I think he's he has the best of both worlds. He hasn't officially left his gym, but he's also getting the type of training he needs to get to that next level. So what is your upset pick of the week? Like you're looking at oh, the I lines. Got one. I, yeah, you're looking at the lines right now. You're kind of seeing how things are playing out here. What's the one fight that you would, if, if you had some supplemental income to throw down on something, on an upset pick, where are you going with? Uh, I Well, there's there's two actually I'll go with. Um, as far as the one that I like, I made my official pick for, I, I like Andre Feely over my Michael Johnson. I know he's a slight underdog right now. He was plus money at one point. Now he's minus 105, Johnson minus 115. How can you not like this? Feely, the younger guy, his teammate already beat him. I mean, he has sort of an insight there. And Johnson, I you know, I don't know what the stats are, but when guys uh, drop a weight class later in their career, they tend not to do as well. So Johnson going down to 45, I think that's, you know, the, doing the cut you know, you're more susceptible to getting knocked out. You're, I mean, it's just, it's never a good idea. I think with guys moving up later in their, in their career, it usually ends up being better. So I, I just think there's too much against Johnson here. He, he's coming off the losing streak. Feely, I know he was lucky to get that win over Bermudez in his last fight, but to me, he's the younger guy. He's got more upside in my opinion. So I, I like Feely here and, and, you know, as an underdog. And the other one I'll mention just quickly, I talked about him earlier, John Moraga. Here's a guy that can surprise a lot. You know, just ask Biblatov, like I said, uh, in that matchup, he was uh, being overlooked in that one. And Figueroa, like I mentioned, barely squeaking by Jared Brooks in his last fight. So Moraga, I think some upset potential here. Plus 140 right now. So if you're looking at a bet, I think Moraga is definitely worth a stab at the odds right now. I know if John Anik is listening to this, we're, we're going to do him a little favor here. We're going to get Lynch's picks here. Uh, we're going to go from <laughs> sure. the pre- prelims up. You can get as, as detailed as you want here. So we'll, we'll sure. just start with, which I'm surprised this, this fight is not on the main card. I mean, the main card is, is what it is, but the fact that Mickey Gall is not on the main card is kind of a travesty to me just because, mm-hmm. you know, he may have lost his last, his last fight, but people still know who he is and people are very interested to see what he's going to do and a lot of people don't have FS2 so what are you doing here but Mickey Gall versus George Sullivan how does thing play out well just to answer your first question I think he's on the undercard just because of lack of fights you know five fights I could see someone saying you know I understand that we know who he is but the you know the casual audience doesn't really know him too much yet so I don't have an issue with him being on the undercard but I got to go with Gall here again you're you know younger guy switching up camps um, you know just a lot of talent as far as what he brings to the table and Sullivan you know he's had some good moments in his career but I just look at the age and I look at the sort of the wear and tear in his career. I think Gall gets it done here. Uh, and I even like him at the odds here. I think minus 335 is right where it needs to be. Yeah, it's a nice little story, too, that, you know, as Mickey Gall was getting into the sport and, and about to make his amateur debut and, and starting to get into fight.
flight camps and things like that. George Sullivan was the guy in New Jersey. Like Mickey Gall, 16, 17 years old, really starting to get into things. George was a guy that Mickey looked up, looked up to. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't like a hero or anything like that, but he was like, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. So this is a really interesting set of matchmaking, especially in Lincoln, Nebraska. Let's talk about El Dierte versus Maluco. Andrew Sanchez versus Marcus Perez. Who you got here? Yeah, it's an uh, interesting matchup. Both guys uh, really need to get a win here. Um, I, I'm going to go with, uh, with with Marcus Perez in this fight. You know, I think that uh, he's just shown a little bit more as far as what he brings to the table. Sanchez, the big knock on him, obviously, is that his cardio tends to fail him. There's been a couple of fights where it looks like he's ahead on the scorecards and then for whatever reason he ends up getting knocked out I think it's just a, a cardio issue at this point I know he won the ultimate fighter but his last two fights are against guys that especially the Janes fight that was a winnable fight for him and he ended up getting knocked out in the third round um, I know he's a tri-star now so that does you know will those adjustments make a difference here um, I'm not so sure but uh, I got to go with Perez right now just looking at the two guys that uh, you know as far as their last performances I think Perez gets the job done here in the Bantamweight division we have the Wiley veteran versus the young upstar we got Yuri Alcantara versus Corey Corey Sanhagen, who do you like here? Yeah, I got to go Sanhagen here. I just think the momentum is on his side, although I wasn't overly impressed with his win over Austin Arnett. And, and just to note, obviously, Sanhagen dropping down to 35. He was at 45 in his UFC debut in the majority of his fights. But if you see him, uh, you know, you can see my interview here on uh, Fanside MMA where uh, you can definitely see on his face, he's he's definitely dropped the pounds and he's looking good. And, you know, training in Colorado with a lot of really good training partners. I know he worked with a bit with Justin Gaethje ahead of this matchup. So I like all that with uh, against a guy in Alcantara who's 38 years old on the downside of his career. The one thing you can look at with Alcantara, he's fought the who's who in the division, you know, so that is one thing to consider. But I think Sanhagen probably takes the decision here uh, against, uh, you know, a savvy veteran in Alcantara. We're in agreement three for three so far. The James Krause. Probably the, the the greatest nickname, one of the greatest nicknames in mixed martial arts, James the James Kraus Kraus. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. It's Worley Alves. Very interesting fight here. James Kraus quietly on a four-fight winning streak right here against Worley Alves. Who do you like here? Well, I should point out, he did lose on the Ultimate Fighter to Jesse Taylor. That uh, I know he had some things happening in you know, whatever leading up to that fight, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a fight he should have won. Now, I just look at the level of competition here again. You know, Kraus, uh, you know, we talk about the winning streak. Tom Glitchio, not in the UFC. Alex White, uh, you know, I think he's got a tough test coming up here against uh, Jim Miller. Um, I, I like Alves here. To me, I just look at the performances he's had. He's looked really good, especially his last fight against Assault and Aliyev. Uh, that was a you know a fight that was a tough matchup for him. And you look at the losses. I mean, the Barbarino one, I'm sure he would have liked back, but losing to Kamara Usman is, is no slouch at all. And he does have that win over Colby Covington. We forget about that. I uh, got that uh, first round finish uh, way back. I know it was 2015, but that's still a good uh, win on his resume. And Kraus, you know, I think at this stage in his career, this is a big fight for him. Uh, you know, he's 32 years old. I think this is one of those uh, fights where he really has to sort of prove himself. I know he's been working at Factory X with Mark Montoya. That's definitely going to pay dividends, but I got to go Alves in this fight. I just, I like the guy who's fought more at welterweight and I think he gets a job done here. We got your boy coming back, the University of Alabama, former football player, national champion, taking on Tim Williams, another Jersey guy getting in there. And this is this is a big fight for Eric Anders, coming off the first loss of his career against Yoda Machida. It was a very close fight. I, I I think Machida won that fight, but it was very very close. This is a big fight for Eric, and you know if he can get a win, do it impressively. He's kind of back in the mix here. Who do you like in this one? I definitely like Eric Anders, and we should point out that this line actually opened around minus two eighty for Eric Anders, and now he's minus ten twenty. He's the biggest favorite on the card, <laughs> and with good reason. You know we talked about that loss to Machida. That was a very close fight, and a lot of people, including myself, felt like that could have gone towards Eric's way. So really, he should be undefeated here, and. 
Tim Williams had a very bad debut. Um, I, I think he's one of these guys that, you know, just was a benefit of, you know, uh, I, I think just good circumstances as far as him getting signed. But I don't know if he's a UFC level fighter. And now you can watch my interview with Williams here on Fansided to get his insight. He's been doing a bit of cross training ahead of this matchup. But I like Eric Anders a lot in this fight. And if you guys are looking for a prop bet, uh, Anders wins in round one uh, currently is minus 110. So if you wanted to either play that straight or parlay it, I think that's a good bet because Anders does finish a lot of his fights in the first round. Uh, and I think he'll do so here against Tim Williams. We, we've talked a couple times about guys who need wins here. And I think Jake Ellenberger probably needs a win as much, if not more, than anybody here. He's lost five out of his last six, three in a row since that you know big resurgence, as like we at least we thought, resurgence went over Matt Brown. He's lost to Jorge Masvidal, lost to Mike Perry, lost to Ben Saunders. Now he gets Brian Barberina here in a huge fight. This is a, definitely a do-or-die fight for, for a guy like Jake Ellenberger. Is this the last time we see him, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason he's on this card and gets one more fight is the fact it is in Nebraska. That's obviously, he's, you know, he's from Omaha originally, so I think this is sort of a send-off for him. And um, yeah, I like Brian Barberina in this fight. How can you not? I know he's coming off the loss to Leon Edwards, but you look at the losses here. Other than the Chad Laprise one, um, you know, Covington and Leon Edwards, those are not bad losses, in my opinion. Whereas Ellenberger, it's not like he's losing these fights. He's getting knocked out. I mean, he got knocked out by Saunders, Perry, Masvidal. Those are all killers, but, you know, getting knocked out uh, in the fight is never a good look. I like Barberina here, even though he's had a bit of a layoff. We should point out he has not fought since September of 2017. He had an injury. Uh, he was supposed to fight Ellenberger earlier this year, if you remember back in June. Had an injury. He's come back from that. He's, he's going to get the job done here. I, I think uh, Barbarina is probably going to stop Jake Ellenberger within the three rounds. One of my favorite divisions, and it, it has been leaning in that direction over the last couple of years, the women's strawweight division. Not sh- yeah, yep. 115 pounds. Where am I? Where's my head at right now? Courtney Casey <laughs> versus Angela Hill. I love this matchup. This is a very fascinating matchup, and you know these two women are going to deliver here. So who do you like? I mean, this is a really good fight. Yeah, I, I have to pick Angela Hill here. I think just at the end of the day, she does always find a way to win. Uh, you know, coming off that win over Moreau's in her last fight, she looked really good in that one. Um, some of her losses, you know, Ansaroff and, and Andrade, not bad losses now. Both uh, both have looked pretty good in their last couple fights. Casey, I think, has the potential to get an upset here, but the problem is she can't seem to win on the judges' scorecards. Two split decision losses in her last two fights. She's lost three of her last four. If Courtney Casey doesn't get a win here, she's going to get cut. So, I, you know, I could see some urgency here from Casey. She does have a couple of her teammates on the card, of course. We just talked about Brian Barbarena, John Moraga, a lot of MMA lab uh, com- uh, fighters competing on this card. So that might help her situation here. But I think at the end of the day, Angela Hill probably gets a decision here and Casey probably gets cut. All right, Gaethje, Vic, main event. Where are you going here? I'm going James Vick here. I think uh, the fact that he's been on a roll, he's got the momentum here. He's got that size advantage. I mean, my God, everyone always asks me this. You know, how does this guy make one, uh, 155? 6'3", 76-inch reach. Facing a guy in Gaethje who is 5'11 and 71-inch reach, uh, that's a huge size difference. Now, the question is, can Gaethje get on the, on the inside and knock him out? We've seen Vick get knocked out before. Just ask Benil Dariush when he did so, uh, you know, a few years back. But Vick in general, he seems to have his, uh, you know, his stuff together as far as his game plans and everything. I think Gaethje could potentially win this on ga- on leg kicks, but at the end of the day, I think Vic's reach and, and just the way he's going to use his range, I think will cause problems for Justin. I think Justin either will get knocked out or he'll lose a decision here, but I like James Vic in this fight. I think overall, he's the more well-rounded fighter, and I think this is his time to shine, and he does it in uh, in Nebraska here. I- I'm going with uh, James Vic. I'm going with James Vic as well. I think he get- ends up getting a submission in the third round. I think he, he ends up finding his range, d- doing what he needs to do. He kind of weathers the early storm, and then he starts picking him apart. He drops him, and then he gets on top of him and just strangles him. That's, that, that's 
what I'm going with. Even though Gaethje's very tough to finish in that, I don't think he's ever, he's never been submitted. So I think James Vick's gonna really have a highlight reel here, and it's gonna be one hell of a fight because Justin Gaethje's involved, and he's never involved in a fight that's not a hell of a fight. So uh, a couple more things before we let you go, man. Michael Chandler in the news. He is re-signed with Bellator, exclusive deal. This is huge for Bellator. This is huge for Michael Chandler. I mean, he's been one of the guys that's been there from 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 Jump Street, and he's one of the faces of the organization and. You know, Bellator with this new DAZN deal, you know, they had a lot of extra money to throw around to, to lock up some guys here. So are you surprised that he, that he stuck with Bellator or, or not? I am surprised, and I'll tell you why, because it looked for a while there that he was angling to get in the UFC. Remember, there was that fight, he, you know, looked like he was potentially going to fight Brent Primus, and then he ends up fighting Yamiuchi, and we find out that Primus is ready to go. I mean, there's been a lot of back and forth with both of them. I don't, I really don't know what's going on, because I've talked to Brent. It seems like, you know, the timing just hasn't worked out. He's wanted to fight. Chandler doesn't. Chandler wants to fight. Primus is injured or or whatever. So I, I, you know, I honestly thought that there was because he took that Yamiuchi fight when it seemed like Primus was healthy that he was angling to just get out of his deal. So I am surprised, but this is great for Bellator. You know, they have one of the top lightweights in the world in their organization. Chandler's marketable. Um, you know, he's just a good face for the promotion, and I think this is a, a huge miss from the UFC in my opinion because while they do have a stack lightweight division, Chandler would have added so much more. And now you have to wonder: Does Eddie Alvarez follow suit and we get that trilogy fight? I'm really intrigued to see if that ends up happening. I mean, twenty dollars on the line here supplemental income Eddie Alvarez and Bellator you see it happening I do yeah I think so I think at this point he knows a road to a title shot in the UFC is probably you know going to be extremely difficult after losing to Poirier and if you goes to Bellator which let's be honest they do have a lot of really good lightweights but the division right now a little bit of a you know kind of a mix up there if you're Eddie Alvarez and you want to fight Michael Chandler and you get that win you're all of a sudden in the driver's seat towards a lightweight title shot is there a scarier man on this earth than Tony Ferguson right now I mean the fact that this man has come back from that injury and he's 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 on, he's on like skateboards doing squats. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster, and he says he's fighting at UFC 229. Who the hell is he going to fight? I have no idea, unless they want to do the the Kevin Lee rematch. But it seems like uh, you know that that fight just happened last year. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Does he fight Iaquinta? I don't I don't know what's happening with him at this point. Have the UFC and him you know patch things up? Um, there, there's not really a lot of options for Ferguson here. Does he? He could potentially fight Edson Barbosa, but then you know Barbosa coming off a loss there. I have no idea who he's going to fight the, unless the UFC has a rabbit up their hat here. But uh, I, I I have no idea. But good for Tony. I mean, we saw him uh, at the uh, you know Jose Youngs and I saw him at the uh, the red carpet for the Hall of Fame this summer, looking good, upbeat, and everything like that. This guy's Wolverine. I don't know what he's taking, but uh, he's, he's clearly uh, you know ready to get back in there. And it, this is great for the division because he's he's surely missed at this point in terms of you know the potential matchups we could see him having because he is still you know the, the the top one of the top lightweights in the world right now uh you know in that division all right last thing before we let you go because this is being this is one of the highly debated topics of the day i've been seeing it on twitter all day long I've been seeing it on facebook all day long what Let's are your it. what are your thoughts on fight posters i mean the khabib versus connor <laughs> one came out it's been met with mixed reviews as most of these posters have been as of late you know boss logic came out with with, with absolute fire like he always does but i mean are, are you a guy who really focuses on the fight posters what they look like do you think it's the, it's a really big deal in 2018? No, I don't. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're if you're a fight fan and you, you want to see the fighters, you don't shouldn't care too much about the posters. At least in my opinion, yeah, I think the work that Boss Logic does is amazing. I, I think the UFC should hire him, but. You know, the fact that they don't doesn't really change my opinion on things. I think they're just nice to look at, and, and that's about it. I'm, I'm not like one of these like nitpicking people who's like, oh, this looks terrible or whatever. It is it is what it is. You know, it, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. All right, last thing. I, I said it was last thing before. I'm going to do it last thing. That's all good. Now. Ask away. Ask away. Uh, Darren Caldwell, 
another impressive performance from him. He's just yes. been, he's just a monster. I've been high on him for a couple of years now, and he's really starting to, to come into his own. And I don't think he's even close to being as good as he's going to be. So if you're Darren Caldwell right now, what do you do now? I mean, do you drop back down to 135 and try to defend that title, even though there's not a lot there? Or do you go for the belts at 145 and go for the champ chat thing? What do you do if you're Darren Caldwell right now? Oh, you go you go for the featherweight belt. You got to be the champ champ. I mean, it's rare to see that happen in any sport, uh, you know, any high level organization like Bellator, especially. I don't believe anyone has. I mean, I guess. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Warren has done that. He's won titles in two divisions, but I, I don't think it was at the same time. So this you know, this could be some history here if he's able to do it. Um, yeah. I, why risk going down a bantamweight and losing? I mean, there, there are a few options. I mean, Michael McDonald, if he ever gets healed up, that could be a, a very exciting fight. Um, but, but no, if you're Caldwell, you hold all the cards right now, go for that featherweight title. I know there's other guys chomping at the bit, trying to get that title shot. Um, but, uh, but in my opinion, you, you got to go and uh, try and be the champ champ. Uh, you know, that, that's what legacies are made about is winning two titles. So good for him. Yeah. Well, Looks like Michael McDonald's gonna be out for a long time. His that's true. That's mess. true. That is a good point. Yeah. So I, I just but, but we just but hey, we just had Ricky Bandeas uh, win over the weekend. He's another guy who could fight Caldwell. Oh, I listen. I, I like him. He is a monster. I thought that was a tough matchup, obviously from 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 the get go. But would you? I mean. Are you, are you okay with that? Give him the shot right away. Or do you want to try to build him up a little bit more? I, I'm I, at this point. Uh, I don't think it's not like Bandias is like you know twenty. I, I think for him, <laughs> he's uh, you know I, I I think you can build him up. Let, let's see it. Let's on a scale from uh, him to Michael Page. I'd rather just get it done now. You know. Oh, I agree with that 100. So all right, James Lynch, the man, the myth, the legend. The guy is always running around doing a million interviews and let people know where to find all of these interviews, James. Well, first off, your listeners should check out our YouTube channel, Fansided MMA. You can find all my interviews on there, and obviously some great stuff. Happening happening at all, all the events we uh, cover there. So subscribe to that. We're building the, the channel, uh, you know, a lot, actually. We, you know, we've got, uh, you know, over a thousand subscribers now. So we'll keep that going. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports, and you can find all my interviews, including the ones here on Fansided, on my YouTube channel. I have them all in playlists, uh, youtube.com slash Lynch on Sports. And Mike, as always, it was a pleasure. Always enjoy talking some fights with you. An honor and a pleasure, sure. Thank you once again for the time. Anytime. All right, there he is, the great James Lynch, everybody. Always, you know, it was amazing. You know, I was trying to book a bunch of interviews, didn't really happen, so I just hit up James yesterday. I said, let's go the full five and talk UFC Lincoln. He said, absolutely, just let me know when, and and there he was with just a wealth of knowledge, tons of stuff, and you can find that all, like he said, on the Fansided MMA YouTube channel. I highly recommend you subscribe to that, especially with all these big fights coming up, um, and I have a feeling we're going to have a strong presence for Nurmagomedov versus McGregor coming up in October. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Jack Swagger. He's actually going to be in the Berkshires. We're recording this podcast this Friday night for Northeast Wrestling, Wrestling Under the Stars at Wakona Park in Pittsfield. We're going to talk about that. And of course, he is getting ready for his Bellator debut. When is that going to be? Is he going to debut this year? Is it going to be early next year? We're going to find out that and much more with the real Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, his real name, coming up next on the Extra Rounds podcast. All right, joining me right now, he's going to be right here in the Berkshires this Friday night in Pittsfield at Historical Kona Park for Northeast Wrestling's Wrestling Under the Stars. He is the reigning defending Northeast Wrestling heavyweight champion. He's going to defend that title against Brad Hollister on Friday night, former WWE superstar, and he's going to be adding something else to his resume very soon. We'll get into that as well. It's great to have Jack Swagger on the show. Jack, how are you? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on here, and thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. So Northeast Wrestling is keeping you busy. I mean, lots of shows. I mean, I love the Wrestling Under the Stars tour they do every single summer. It's really great stuff. You know, the outdoor stuff, kind of the ambiance of everything is fantastic. But it must be keeping you very busy, right? 
Yes, it is. Uh, I've wrestled all over the world, and I have to say that Northeast Wrestling really is one of the best promotions I've ever worked for. Every show is just incredible. Always a great crowd. Always so much fun. Always something new and surprising. What is a typical week like for you these days? I mean, because, and I'm not in the wrestling business, but you always hear with WWE that it's always go, 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 travel, 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 300 plus days a year and all that stuff. Now, obviously, the independent wrestling scene has really thrived and flourished more than ever right now, but what does a typical week look like for you these days? Yeah, it, it's similar. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of time management um, just because I have two young ones that I, I got to fit in there. So, um, during the week it's, um, super dad button. Like we, <laughs> during the summer it was super dad all day and then train at night during the week. And then I would fly out on uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday to go to wrestling shows. Um, but now that school started, I got a little more time for myself. Um, so I get to train during the day and I don't have to train at eight o'clock at night. So, um, t- right now it's getting close to, uh, fight time. So we'll, that's what we're training for. So we're doing two days during the week during the day and then school gets out i'm with the kids all night and then fly it out on the weekend and try to put some smiles on some faces or some frowns you know if i gotta make people boo me <laughs> i'll do that too we're gonna get into that fight time stuff in a minute but uh let's talk about friday night you're gonna you're gonna defend the northeast wrestling heavyweight title against brad hollister he is a local guy was actually a high school state championship wrestler here in massachusetts is brad a guy you've worked with before during this tour or at other points in your career I've had one match with Brad, and it was incredible. Uh, what a contest. Such a competitor. Uh, he was a state champion. I was an Oklahoma state champion, so we got that animosity between us. Uh, last time we wrestled, I grabbed a waist lock, and I was doing everything I could to hang on for dear life. That guy is quick, fast, strong, smart, and he's allowed to wear a singlet because he's an actual state champion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're not an actual amateur high school state champion you can't wear the singlet wrestling professionally that's a rule you touched <laughs> you, you touched on how great of a promotion northeast wrestling is but what can fans here in the berkshires expect from you in the show on friday night because we do have some locally run independent shows here in this area but besides that you know outside of traveling to albany or boston you don't really get marquee names well-known talent around this area really outside of when northeast wrestling comes to town during the summer so what can folks in the berkshires expect on friday night from this show and from the northeast wrestling heavyweight champion well, every time that I come out there, I, uh, I I love it. I really enjoy engaging with the fans. Um, since I left WWE, it, every experience, every show that I do now is so much more intimate. So you're going to get to come out. You're going to get to see me. You're going to get to meet me. We're going to get to chat. We can have autographs, pictures, or we can just say hello. And we really get to have an experience uh, more so than you would with WWE, where you're just standing behind a barricade trying to wave at your favorite fans. Uh, NEW does a great job bringing in great, huge names and then giving the fans what they want, giving them a chance to uh, meet them, talk with them before the show, you know, tell them some story. It's really cool. That's one of my favorite parts about being out on the independence is chatting with these people. And almost every weekend, there's some moment that like makes me blush. And like, I'm like so thankful to be a part of that person's life for some part that professional wrestling added to their lives. And it's really cool. 
So it's going to be a great experience. And then I'm going to come out there and I'm going to retain my title. I am not losing it. Mark my words. Uh, I got two huge title defenses this weekend and I'm going to win both of them. You obviously seem very, very happy. You seem like you're doing things the way that you want to do them. But I'm curious to know because, you know, in the world of professional wrestling, at least for a long, long time, I mean, it's a little different now, but getting to the WWE was was the pinnacle. It was the dream. And in pro wrestling terms, the old cliche, it was the brass ring, so to speak. So is, is there anything you miss about being a WWE superstar? Are there certain aspects working there that you wish you could have that experience again? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't say I miss like the big shows and the, and the great feelings, you know, that to be a part of, um, so of course I miss that. I miss, uh, I think I miss more than anything is the, is my friends up there. Um, it was a great roster. And when I was up there, um, you know, guys like Roman Reigns made it a point that the locker room was a family and, uh, it was, uh, really cool to be a part of. And I miss those guys a lot. I wish them nothing but the best. And, uh, yeah, it kind of surprised me because I did not expect that as much. Since you mentioned it earlier, I have to ask you about this because, you know, it got me very intrigued. You made me even more intrigued, very excited. Earlier this year, maybe it was the end of last year, you announced that you were going to be heading into the world of mixed martial arts. You'd signed with Bellator, a company that has really been making some really strong moves over the last couple of years. How has that transition been going? You talked about your training schedule a little bit. You know, how has all that been going as you get ready to make your debut? You know, it's been uh, really fun, and it's uh, been an incredible journey. I've been very lucky have special people like Josh Rafferty, Joey Best, Rob Bradford to uh, start this journey with me from day one and go on it with me. And so very blessed, very lucky to have a great team and coaches around me. And, uh, you know, there's times where it's like, oh, man, this is tough. This is going to be really hard. And then there's times when uh, the light bulbs come on and I get confident and it's um, going really well. Um, I have to say I'm in the best shape of my life. Uh, We're really training hard right now and I'm really learning. You know, there's multiple disciplines to learn. I can't just rely on my all-American amateur wrestling background. I'm going to have to learn boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, drunk boxing, uh, you know, Muay Thai. So many different things to be, you know, on the alert for and be ready for. And so it's uh, overwhelming at times. But one thing that I can take away from it is, one, I really miss the competition, I'm just the type of person that I have to compete. I, uh, if I'm not competing for something, I feel like I'm drowning almost. And so that has been great for uh, me mentally. And physically, the training has forced, my, uh, forced me to take care of my body. So all those bumps and bruises from the traveling, from the 12 years of wrestling, the amazing shows at WWE, uh, you know, it really takes a toll on your body. And it's surprising that the hard training has really forced me to take care of my body. I'm home more, of course, but I feel so much better. Like my shoulders don't hurt when I get out of bed. My ankles don't crack as much when I walk. So... It's been a very positive experience, and I'm really excited to see where this journey is going to take us because it's a great time to be a professional wrestler, but it's also a great time to be a pro, uh, a professional fighter. Both sports are at the height of their popularity, I would say. Um, so, you know, sky's the limit, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Well, I'm just going to ask you flat out, do you have any idea when you're going to make your debut? I mean, Bellator is in the middle of their heavyweight Grand Prix. I mean, they're going to crown a heavyweight champion by the beginning of next year. Do you have a target date, a, a card that you're shooting for to make your debut? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be end of 2018. Um, it, it, it's coming very close. Um, I'm looking at it like I'm at the beginning of season right now. And at, at the end of the season will be the fight. So uh, I think it's going to be around December, January, possibly November. Um, just depending on uh, if we can get our schedules to work. And um, when the team tells me I'm ready, I just come in and train every day. Have you officially, definitely, sorry, definitely 2018. Have you officially been offered an opponent or anything yet? Nothing set yet, no. Have you been paying attention to the heavyweight Grand Prix? And if so, who do you got becoming the champion? Chael Sonnen, Fedor, Ryan Bader, and Matt Mitrion? Uh, of course, uh, I've been watching it. I think it's so exciting. <laughs> I think the the tournament really adds an aspect to it. I'm so glad that they're doing it uh, with the, the middleweight guys uh, as well. Or the welterweight, I'm sorry. Um, cause it's such a stacked weight as well. Um, at the beginning of the tournament, I said, I wanted to see Matt Mitrione, uh, take the heavyweight. Um, Ryan Bader's last win was very impressive. So I know a lot of people have him number one. Uh, honestly, these, you know, the semifinals are coming up in October. I think, uh, you can catch them on Paramount. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Fedor and Chael Sonnen, two iconic names in the business. And then you got, uh, Mitrion, then it's Mitrion and Bader, right? The next day. Or do I have that backwards? It's the next night. They're going Friday in Mohegan Sun, and then Saturday they're in Long Island. They go back to back. Then it's Mitrion and Bader the second night. Yep. Yep. Uh, And, you know, then you got two young guys, uh, eager, ready to go. I mean, both of them have been in the sport for a long time, but they're still very young when it comes to pro fighting. I'm so fascinated to see how Fedor is going to react to Chael Sonnen because Fedor's never really been in that position where he has a guy that's going to completely run his mouth and completely try to do everything he can to get in his head. And Fedor just hasn't had to deal with that before, and Chael's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at him. So I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. <laughs> Let me hear your impression of uh Fedor listening to Chael talk trash to him. You ready? ready? Go. You ready to hear it? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the impression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, who, who is this American talking about me? Uh, I just, I, I don't think he's going to say anything. I think he's going to sit there and give that evil smirk. Like, I'm going to see you in the cage and things are going to get real ugly. But that's such an interesting fight because, you know, Chael's got that you know that really suffocating ground game and you know he's gonna have that great cardio but Fedor can just turn the lights off with one shot I mean did to Frank Mir and not a lot of people saw that coming did people think that's that was like the resurgence of the return of Fedor yeah it's like like he went somewhere no Fedor is always Fedor <laughs> and he's always there um I was real impressed with Chael against Rampage at the beginning of the year uh because Chael was giving up so much weight um it looked like he could actually um, go in there and, and hold his hold his ground against the heavyweight. So it's going to be interesting. It's great matchups. Do you look at any of these guys? And you, and, I mean, obviously you're at the beginning stage of this thing, but do, do you look at these guys and think to yourself, oh, like, of I course. can't wait to fight them? Of course, yes. I uh, imagine myself in there. I see how they move. I, you know, I study these guys because they are where I want to be. So I'm watching what they do. And of course, I'm, you know, wondering whether or not, you know, how I'm going to hold my own in there. And, uh, you know, you have to be confident. Otherwise, don't do it. Don't even don't even try and do it. So believe in yourself. Take a bet on yourself. Invest in yourself and do it.
It's great advice right there from the Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. You can check him out at Wrestling Under the Stars. And for Northeast Wrestling in the Squared Circle throughout the rest of the summer, he's going to be in the Berkshires in Pittsfield this Friday night defending his Northeast Wrestling title against Brad Hollister. Jack, before we let you go, man, and I appreciate the time very much, let the folks know where to find and follow you on the web. Upcoming dates you'll be appearing outside of Pittsfield so everyone can come check you out in the ring. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Hey, uh, you can find all things Jack Swagger on my Instagram and Twitter page, Real Jack Swagger. And you can check out new and interesting stuff on my Facebook page, Jake Hager. But if you want the really funny stuff and great workout tips, follow the beautiful Catalina Swagger on Instagram. And she will get it tight and right because daddy doesn't want it loose. Daddy wants it <laughs> tight. <laughs> oh, man. What an honor, Jack. Thank you so much for the time. We'll see you Friday night here in Pittsfield. All right. Thank you, Mike. Have a good one. Right, see you guys. Too. Thanks, man. How about that? Jack Swagger joining us on the Extra Rounds podcast. Great stuff from him. And it looks like he's going to make his debut before the year comes to an end. How about that? No official opponent has been assigned, but it's looking like he said it maybe as early as November. I am really, really looking forward to seeing what he could do because, I mean, he's already got probably the best base possible for MMA. I mean, it's kind of been proven at this point to have that strong wrestling background. And that helps you out in the gym when you're trying to learn all these different things. But, if, you know, if he can get a striking together and, you know, get the rest of his game evolved, that's going to be super interesting. So I want to thank Jack Swagger for the time and excited to see him in the Berkshires. We'll try to get out there and, and have a little face-to-face with Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger. And that's it, everybody. Another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast in the books. You might be thinking to yourself, UFC Lincoln's coming up on Saturday. Why don't you get any of the fighters on? We had a lot of the fighters on last week. So for those of you who've already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, you can just go back and listen to it. Last week alone, we had Gaethje. We had Johnson. We had Feely. We had Gall. We've had Vic. And those are all in the archives there. So make sure you subscribe. Drop the old Superman punch on the subscribe button. Leave a five-star rating, all that good stuff. Make sure you subscribe to the Fan Sided MMA YouTube channel as well. Over a 1,000 subscribers and continues to rise, and that is not an accident. So for those of you who have subscribed to the page, thank you for that. And for those of you who are about to do that right now, thank you for that as well. Big thank you to Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager. Well, should have said the other way around. Big thank you to James Lynch for going the full five. And a big thank you to you guys for downloading and subscribing to the show. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Test Strips with the Z.com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. Turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash up to $50 per box at Test Strips with the Z.com. Very interested in UFC Fight Night in Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday. Should be a great card. And I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you next week on the Extra Rounds Podcast.